Before we get into today's episode of One Shining Podcast, I want to shout out the Ringer and FanDuel TV. If you're not watching, go tune in every single day on FanDuel TV. We have Ringer programming. This week, we got Fairway rolling with our guy Joe House on Monday. We got East Coast Bias on Wednesday. We got my show through the Ringer on Thursday and the local angle on Friday. Go check that out. And if you can't watch it live on FanDuel TV, if you go to Spotify and you type in Ringer TV, you can watch all the episodes in full. It's not edited. It's it's completely full, the entire episode. It's always fun to watch. So go check it out. Again, all the Summer League episodes are over, so it's all fresh new shows coming out right now. So again, it is Ringer TV. It is on FanDuel TV. Go check it out now. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. On today's episode of One Shining Podcast, we've got Kyle Mann back on the show, and we're talking about the Blue Bloods playing home and home. And yes, an actual home and home is going to be North Carolina playing at Kansas in Allen Fieldhouse in Lawrence, Kansas. It's going to be great. Excited to be there. I have never been to Allen Fieldhouse. I have, uh, I'm sticking my neck out right now. I will be at that game. If I'm still here and I'm still present and I'm of clear mind, I will be at that game to watch North Carolina play Kansas. This is good for college basketball. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about the new Steph Curry doc. It is called Underrated. It came out on the same day as Barbie and Oppenheimer. So had some stiff competition there. But myself, Kyle Mann, we watched it. We're going to talk about it. It's a lot about his college basketball run at Davidson. So it's great for OSP, great for the show. Can't wait to talk about that. We're also going to talk about a new mystery in the world of basketball. Jonathan, Jonathan Gavoni. Um, was at the the U18 Euros and uh, saw some crazy stuff there in Serbia, uh, unsafe conditions, a whole thing. So we'll talk about that. And uh, we'll wrap it up and we're going to talk about Slam Ball because Kyle is here. He watched it. I watched it at a Dave & Buster's um, right before I went to go see Oppenheimer because that's the only thing close to the Chinese theater in Hollywood because that's Hollywood for you folks. But it was great to see Slam Balls, uh, the way it was received by the people. We'll get into that. Kyle, anything else before we get into today's show? Yeah, if I hear the term Barbenheimer one more time, I'm going to jump off a bridge. But first, Woody Durham. He takes the timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul. Technical foul. Technical 
All right, welcome into One Shining Podcast. It is Monday, it is July 24th, it is around 9 a.m. here in Los Angeles, and I am looking at our co-host and good friend, friend of the program. He is, of course, is Kyle Mann, and he's in Louisville, Kentucky. Kyle Mann, how you doing on this Monday morning? Staying cool. It's sweltering <laughs> out here. Hum- humidity. Uh, I don't know how the humidity system works, but it's um, just for a little, you know, just a little idea of what it's like here. I, I took my son to the zoo for like 30 minutes and sweat through all my clothes. So that's mm. how humid it, it is here. It's a, it is a swamp. Uh, but anyway, I, you know, I'm feeling chipper. You know, it's the off season. How are you doing, Tate? It feels like I'm doing a pod with Austin Rivers right now because uh, he went on Twitter and tweeted about global warming. If you haven't noticed it yet, how, how are you? Do you have your head in the sand? Um, and then I was like, it was the perfect one of my favorite Twitter things is when someone's like, how can no one say this? And then at the same time, it's like global warming isn't just a a, a heat wave that's coming across the U.S. You know, it's not not one to one, but uh. Shout out to you. Stay safe. Stay cool. That's what we're trying to do here in Los Angeles. But we got some good news in the world of college basketball because we're sick of watching teams play in freaking football stadiums. I'll I'll say it. I'll stick my neck out. I'm tired of neutral sites. That was the time of Mr. K, a.k.a. Coach K at the time. That's what he wanted. He wanted neutral sites. He doesn't want real away games. And we got some good news to open up the show today. We got the Battle of the Blue Bloods, North Carolina and Kansas. For the first time in history, the Kansas Jayhawks are going to play basketball in Chapel Hill, North Carolina in 2025. That is a real thing that's going to happen. And in 2024, North Carolina is going to go to Lawrence, Kansas for the first time since 1960 to play. You got to go. You got to go to that. I've never been to Allen Fieldhouse. I've only heard good things. Lawrence, Kansas is the place where fans were created. They, They are the originators of the fanatic. Um, Dean Smith obviously comes from Kansas Roy Williams was the coach that we gave back to Kansas that Bob Frederick hired away from North Carolina because Dean Smith said he'd be a great coach. And then Roy Williams years later comes back to North Carolina. We all know the history. Larry Brown plays at Carolina, coaches at Kansas and every other blue blood. We get it. But to have these two programs say, you know what? We're going to play real road games and we're going to set this up and play it in November to kick off the season. This is good news for college basketball. We just got to say that first and foremost. Right, Kyle? Yeah, that's exciting. It's like there, there is sort of a like between Carolina and and Kansas, there is sort of a there's sort of like a cradle of civilization thing. You know, whenever you hear anthropologists talk about like where human beings came from, we're like, we kind of think it's here. It's like basketball kind of came from those two places. I mean, literally, like not just college, like the 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 sport itself. So it's pretty, and it's also fun to argue with Canadians about uh, where where the sport actually developed. We won't get into that, but I like it. I like it. I um. I'm not and people from that. Boston, right? I mean, they 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 love talking about Naismith and the YMCA, where he actually created the game of basketball. And they're saying it's a Massachusetts sport, um, and we and we deal with that with our boss and Bill Simmons. But Indiana argues it, Kentucky argues it, uh, Kansas argues it. Um, there's North Carolina people that argue it that they developed it into the college basketball game, right? They might not be high school basketball, but they might be college basketball. But like you said, it's one of the the tenets of the origins of the game. And when you have Dr. James Naismith actually at your school, like Kansas does, it checks out. You know, it, the, the math is adding up at that point. It's pretty good. I, you, the, the comment you made about like high school and college is interesting to me. Like with North Carolina, do you guys, do you guys feel like your high school basketball culture is like as strong? Like, I feel like, I feel like in Kentucky, we have good high school basketball culture, but like Indiana's is on another level. Like mm-hmm. it's just kind of a different thing. Like if you go up and you just the lore and the history and it's like people are just a little more into it. 
I feel like they are on another level. Do you feel like you feel like North Carolina? It's kind of just college, or is there is there high school? Where does it where does it fall in the rankings? Would you say in terms? Well, of, uh, I mean, prestige? college is just top dog. College is more important than professional. You know what I mean? That's really what it comes down to. So college is just the primo. I think the high school was probably a tier below Indiana and maybe a tier above Kentucky, somewhere in between. Um, maybe more similar to like Florida high school basketball, something like that. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it matters, but it's not the same as the college basketball. And obviously when you have the big four, you have North Carolina, you have Duke, you have Wake Forest, you have NC State, um, and you have schools like Davidson. Because uh, spoiler alert, folks, we are going to talk about Stephen Curry. He has a new doc that just came out on the 21st. A lot of people are talking about Barbie. They're talking about Oppenheimer. We're going to talk about underrated, the Stephen Curry story that we watched on Apple TV, an A24 product. But it was really about, um, you know, the 2008 run for Steph Curry. That's a little teaser. We'll get to that. But again, I want to talk about the Battle of the Blue Bloods. Um, it is a real thing that is happening. And I wanted to ask you, Kyle, man, what is the next one that should happen like this? Like, should we get Kentucky at Indiana? You know what I mean? And Indiana at Kentucky. What is the next domino to fall here that we want to see in college basketball? Should Duke actually play a road game? That would be nice. I mean, I'd, I'd, I would love to see the Duke-Kentucky home and home. There I mean, you go. We, with the, the Kentucky-Indiana thing used to be the most important thing. Like, it predates even Louisville. Like, it goes back, and it's like the people, like my dad's generation, and you you talk to people in kind of that 50 and up, 60 and up bracket, the vitriol between, and Bob Knight drove a lot of that, you know? Like, yeah, I, I feel course. like now that Bob Bob Knight receding, you know, and, and doing his thing, which we won't go into, but, like, just the history between those two you'd hear about him having run-ins with like Joby Hall and stuff like that and it's like that that vitriol kind of hit a fever pitch with like Indiana Indiana's sort of status as a blue blood too is a big part of this like night going away Indiana kind of wanders in the wilderness came in and took their status I mean for whatever not that I don't consider Indiana a blue blood as I say they're a true blood they're one of the originators but Duke did kind of take Indiana spot at the table right I mean it was like Bob Knight left and then his little um, I don't know if he'd call him a protege. Coach K would call himself a protege. Bob Knight would not call him a protege. So it's somewhere in between those two things. But Coach K kind of just took his seat at the table like like it was nothing. Yeah, I picture Bob Knight almost being like Daniel Plainview sitting in his darkened office at the end of There Will Be Blood. And his son comes <laughs> in and is like, I'm going to start a business. And uh, he's like, just basically just <laughs> reprimands him and like disowns him. Uh, no, I mean, that's kind of the way K got treated, I feel like, in some ways. Um, but yeah, Indiana, like I, I feel like when they came back and then they were they had that run where they brought Kentucky up there. Cal obviously is in the height of his like cover of Slam magazine, Kentucky's back thing. They they care a lot, man. I mean, like Indiana fans care so much. Like it's it's pretty it's sad, honestly. N- not them caring. Like their struggles are kind of just depressing in in relation to how much they care. Because I mean, that's just such an intense basketball state. Uh, and I and a lot of that was pent up and built up in that 20, well, it was 2011. It was the 11-12 season. When Kentucky went there, that's what happened. I mean, like they were so into it that it just got carried away. And Cal was like, never again. He was like, we're not doing this ever again. And it's just been kind of a bitter standoff. And I feel like the Woodson, I've heard murmurs that like the Woodson-Cal dynamic is better, is healthier. Um, th- this you remember the RCA dome? I remember like Kentucky and Indiana used to play in that, and, like fill it up. And it would be like section by section, red, red, blue, red, blue. Like Patino had some incredible games in there against Bob Knight. I'd love to see that come back. I'd love to see that. Cause the two, that rivalry was really incredible. There's a lot of history there. 
Um, I'd like to see that. And um, I don't know, among the other like Blue Bloods playing each other, not involving Kentucky, I'm trying to think of another one that would even be on that level. Like UCLA, it's like their fan base kind of cares. You have to kind of read into it. It's not this, quite the same. I don't know. Can you? Is there one that North Carolina doesn't play that you you would like to see? I mean, North Carolina, Kentucky is always a good one. But I think, like you said, Duke, Kentucky is probably the one that if North Carolina is going to saddle up with Kansas and that be their choice, I think North Carolina should be on the lighter blue side of things and they should have home and homes with UCLA, home and homes with Kansas. And then Duke and Kentucky, um, they can have their own little back and forth between each other, but you have to play at the actual arena arena and at the actual venue that matters because that's the big thing that college basketball has lost. It is, you know, obviously we understand for financial purposes why it is done, you know, but we don't need to go play these games in Indianapolis, um, you know, no. at the Dome or, or go to New Orleans to the Superdome. I want to play them, you know, I want to see Kentucky play at Cameron Indoor. That's what we all want to see. We want to see Duke go and play, you know, in Lexington. That is what we want to see. That is like the optics, the spectacle, the whole show that college basketball is. And, and then you get to see the actual passion of the sport and why it matters. Yeah, I feel like in this era with like, I mean, in the NIL and then the, like the the transfer portal kind of stuff. I mean, you'll hear older fans talk about it. Um, it's just, I've spent a lot of time around just like extended family recently. Obviously I've talked about why, but you know, basketball always comes up. Like college basketball is the thing that will always come up. Like I, it, it doesn't matter who I'm talking to. They're like, Kyle, what do you think's going on with the cats? They go many good. You know, it's that, that kind <laughs> of just song and dance. But I feel like a, a sort of a, a talking point that I continue to hear is, I mean, a, these people don't really like the NBA to begin with. They just associate it with like, it's it's a lot of like it's an entertainment product to them it's not basketball yeah and, it, and it's also misled a lot of the time a lot of the just sort of like tropes that you hear people talk you talk hear my parents my uncles our grandparents they just talked about it being like just kind of wild and in the 90s maybe some of that was true where the basketball the players got paid too much and it like got a little lazy at times like the game right now is in an incredible competitive spot so I think that college, you know, but you hear just a lot of jadedness and complaining about like player empowerment at the college level and stuff like that. I think for the spirit of the product, they really should focus on what you're talking about, because I do think that I think back about like the big Saturday matchups of my lifetime. I remember getting super excited about Kentucky, Georgia Tech in 96. I remember, you know, Stephon Marbury was coming to town. Oh, man, can Wayne Turner guard him? You know, we got real jacked up about that. I remember talking about, like, Steve Francis coming to town. Mm. Carolina in 2012 when they came to town. Like, right. the big John December. Henson versus Anthony Davis. What a matchup. Yeah, that one. Yeah, we saw how that one played out. Um, I mean, th that was an incredible game. But, I mean, like, the just those types of games, the Saturday ones, like, I, I just feel like they need to lean into those home-and-homes. Because I think it would be a nice shot in the arm for – the spirit of the of the of the product, you know, that's it's just kind of something that I think would help. And reading the tea leaves of this decision, Kansas does not want to come play in Chapel Hill unless we get to the breaking case of emergency point of college basketball. And I do think that's where we are. And that's why these teams, these athletic directors, these people that are managing the sport realize you have to tap back into the passion of the sport. This is what we actually care about. And if you go play in some dome in some different city in Las Vegas, Nobody really cares. And we, and even though Malik Monk can go and have 47 points in Vegas and it was awesome and it's under this CBS Sports Classic banner, 
I'd still rather see Malik Monk do that in the Dean Dome. Or, you know, yeah. it, like that's really what it comes down to if you're a college basketball fan. So I think that is the big news of this decision from Kansas and Carolina. It's that this is where we're going to lead, you know, in the future. We're going to have to play on campus. We're going to have to kind of revert back to what it should be. And that's going to hopefully tap back into the purity of why we love college basketball and why it means so much. And then those tickets are going to be even more expensive, uh, which is probably not the best thing. But as far as the people that want to make a lot of money, it probably will work out in the end. Um, obviously, you can't sell out, uh, you know, a, a Superdome and you, you're not going to get the return there. But you are going to get the, the the eyeballs on TV and you're probably going to get some great moments in college basketball. So the Battle of the Blue Bloods, that's what they're calling it. I'm calling it the Roy Williams Classic 2024. You and I will be there. I say that now. Kyle will be there. I'm making promises. The uh, people demand it. The people demand that we Kyle's have to be there. there. We have to be there because, like you said, this is like uh, if it, if we're in Space Odyssey, this is where it, the world was created. Right? It was in Lawrence, in Kansas, where the the college basketball fanatic that we all know and love, um, you know, individually for our own school or our own place that we pull for. That's where it started. So we have to go to ground zero. We have to see where it began. So uh, Battle of the Blue Blood, shout out to uh, Kansas, shout out to Carolina for making that happen. Can we talk about Steph Curry? Because you and I Always. both watched uh, this documentary. I am a Steph Curry stan. Um, I, I I say that with uh, all due respect. Actually, I'm a fan. I'm not a stan. I, I, stans are insane. I, I would say the, the people that are online on Twitter tweeting about LeBron James constantly are probably more stans. Um, but I just, I fell in love with Steph Curry. Uh, I'm a shooter. I love. Do you watching. stand anything, Tate? Is there anything you stand for? I'm curious. Probably about, like, North Carolina uh, basketball. Honestly, that's it. You know what I mean. But even then, I've had to cover it, so it changed. You know, I, I had to be a, a J at some point in my career when I was a beat writer. So can't always be a fan. Um, but it's something that you can say whatever to uh, me. Tom Brady at Fifty Cent, probably. <laughs> Curtis Jackson. That's a good one. That's a good talk one. about it. adversity, huh? I think we should do that. Uh, when I first started working at The Ringer, Chris Ryan and Juliet Libman called me in their office and they said, give me your top five. And I was like, what? Top five what? And they said, just give me your top five. Like top five people, top five things, top five whatever. Your top five. And then I remember I was just like, Jim Carrey, Natalie Portman, uh, Dave Chappelle. Like I just started like listening okay. like the five, Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan. I was like, that was my five. And Chris Ryan's like, good five. <laughs> and they kicked me out. But I, Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I think I need to start doing that with people that come on the show. Just like, give me your top five. No, people. Yeah, no, yeah, no, there's no restrictions. Just your top five. You're super you know? off balance when you hear that, right? Right, like, right. And then you start thinking, you're uh, like, uh, can I even narrow it down to five? Um, you know, because like when Jason Tatum was like, I'm top five, you know, and you're like, top five what? It's like, no, leave it open-ended. I'm just yeah, top, don't answer. They're just top five. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know what that top five would be, but I like Kyle's got a top two. That's a strong top two. Tom Brady on the Patriots specifically. I mean, I enjoyed his work uh, later in his career as well. And and he's got a girlfriend now, a new model, Arena. Oh, good. Well, everyone else could settle down then. Great. Right. Kim Kardashian, you're out. Kanye, you can calm down. Wait, her name's Arena? Ar Ar Arena, right? Shank, isn't that her name? Doesn't that give the man in the arena kind of uh, that's Ooh, immediately? Oh my I'm god! Oh yes, Jesus bang, Christ, Kyle! I'm sorry. Hey, look, what <laughs> am I supposed to do? That that's is what like we're a, talking about. I'm just saying that was really fast. Uh, nice. Uh, <laughs> in the worst way. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say I, I don't uh, I don't know like yeah Kentucky obviously I'll I'll pretend that I'm 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 balanced I can be at, at times. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to pick a weird one. Pilot pins. I'm a stand for those. Uh, big, big fan of that product. Great uh, pins. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would love if I the say Jordan give me your three. top five and you say pilot pins. <laughs> Not even a person. <laughs> yeah, like, whoa, that's awesome. Just, I'm just passionate about him, man. <laughs> Big I just, fan of I'm Boar's Head. Boar's Head. Always fresh. Sausalito turkey. Yeah. Love that. The Boar's Head brand. Big fan. That's the beauty of it being so open ended. And shout out to Chris Ryan because that that question has obviously stuck with me for what seven or eight years. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I was like, there's no right answer here. But I also just have to say what what's coming from my heart. And it worked, I guess, because I, I kept my job and, and I kept producing the watch. So I think it was all right. Gotta keep that was your, <laughs> they were testing to see whether they were going to keep you. Do you think that's what that was? I have no idea. I just got called in the office. They ass. said, give me your top five. And then I gave it and I left and I said, oh, I hope that went over You're like, well. ah, poster boy's all right. Huh? I, <laughs> I think Jim Natalie, Carey I think Natalie, Natalie Portman Port. saved me. I, I, really interesting. I, I checked I checked all the boxes there uh, and did my best. All right, let's talk about Steph Curry because this doc was, it was fun and nostalgic is what I would say. Um, you know, it's not going to set the world on fire. Had a very last dance feel to it where they tried to do the cutting back and forth where it was present day Steph Curry 2022. It opens up when he's breaking the record in Madison Square Garden. Again, some spoilers may come out. We're not going to try to give you the whole arc of the story. But in general, the thing that I took away and what we'll start with is Steph Curry said in this doc, the 2008 NCAA tournament is his favorite basketball moment. And that is something as OSP, we have to tip our cap. Um, we have to, if we're doing the tip jar idea, Steph Curry, I put a hundred dollars. I put a ben, Benjamin Franklin right there in your tip Ooh. jar and say, thank you, sir, because you respect the game. You love the game. And you know that 2008, that tournament run was all time. I mean, it really was. Obviously, it ended with Kansas. He didn't get the last shot off. He had to pass it up. But that's because he got double teamed. And he and he was averaging over 30 points a game in the NCAA tournament. But uh, I wanted to start there. The 2008 tournament, Steph Curry's best basketball moment. Do you believe him, Kyle Mann, when you heard that? Uh, or do you think he's just like trying to warm my heart and the rest of college basketball fans? I believe him. I right. believe him because, you know, the, the family we choose is, is a definite kind of a, a theme for all people, I think. And I think college is sort of such a bonding experience. You know, the, the Warriors guys have gone through the wars, obviously. I'm, they've got a lot of memories together. But at college, it's just a thing that, I don't know, you, you, you see and keep in contact in most cases with those people. I mean, how, how many people from college are you still in contact, Tate, like with? I mean... Probably like fif- all. fifteen people, like uh, you yeah. know, like 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 my 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 crew. You know what I mean? But like slowly, when you're in college, it feels like all whatever number of people you're going to be with for the rest of your life and always keep up with. And then slowly, it wanes over time, right? People go their own way, and you don't live in the same place. And proximity is a hell of a drug. So I mean, proximity plays a part a lot of times in who your friends and acquaintances may be. Yeah, I mean, just on that social level, yeah, I think that's like a like a lifelong kind of bonding thing. But then also just that was an incredible run. I mean, it was an incredible, um, just specific for, for a superstar talent of his caliber to sort of take the pathway that he did to end up there. Uh, was really special. Like, I, I mean, and we, we obviously know all the kind of like paradigm stuff that went on within the sport that he triggered later, uh, that we, we never, even though he showed it to us repeatedly, how special he was, we still didn't see it coming to the extent that it was going to come. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that was appointment television. I, I was talking to you. I was like, one of the things that, about the doc, and I'm not trying to like nitpick it, but I um I was surprised the spots where they trimmed. You know, the regular season phenomenon of Steph, they really hammered on like, well, you had to be, you know, nobody saw it. It was like on closed circuit TV in a cafeteria in Davidson. It was like, I mean, no, a lot of it did happen. If you were paying attention, a lot of it did happen on like national television, like. 
people were aware of Steph before that run. Now, maybe like the Good Morning America crowd, like the mainest of mainstream crowds, which I kind of feel like maybe the stock was made for, um, didn't know about him to that point, kind of in the same way that like a lot of people find out about this or that player in the tournament um, every single year. But uh, yeah, it was it was a, I, I thought that they kind of trimmed some spots, like some of the regular season performances that were special, you know, like that. some of that stuff I thought could have been in there for a more potent story. It does feel like it was, you know, like I mentioned the last dance, it felt like Steph Curry. This is Steph Curry's version of how it all kind of came to be a little bit in his mind. And I think that's kind of what was fascinating to me because they they talked about his first game in college, right? I mean, th- there was a whole bunch of lead up and the the journey of Curry is incredible because, I mean, the guys were at number 20 in high school. And I think that like I'm, numbers always fascinated me. So he literally was like 10 echelons below when he finally becomes 30 Curry. You know what I mean? When he's a sophomore in high school, he's shooting from his hip. He's really scrawny. His mom, Sonia, in the doc is basically like, you know, he's 150 pounds soaking wet. We're trying to fatten him up. She's making all these comments, like not even his parents, his dad, who's a NBA player, a a beloved Charlotte Hornet, Del Curry. I mean, they're both like, yeah, we don't think he really has the goods. He spends a whole summer in between sophomore and junior year changing his shot. He's miserable. He doesn't even shoot outside the paint um, during the summer. They give this whole background. And I think to me, that kind of showcased the journey of Steph Curry and the irony of it all. It's like at one point in this guy's career, and the reason why I think he's so relatable to the Good Morning America audience, um, and same way that Michael was with the whole Michael getting cut from his high school team, we love the underdog. We love the Mm -hmm. down and out. We love the, this was, nobody saw this coming, right? And and that was what Steph's kind of, the, the way that he views it is in the same way that Michael views himself. And even though there are other people that come around and say, well, even though he got cut, from his high school team, he played JV. He just didn't make varsity as a ninth grader. You know, I mean, there's context to it. It's like, even though Steph was this scrawny kid or whatever, he could still go get you 20 points as a as a sophomore in high school. But the jump that he took and the way that he kind of viewed it, and it, it, was, uh, it was just fascinating to kind of watch that journey, to see the footage of him in high school. Because, look, I played um, at a private school in middle school and like those gyms that they're showing, you know, and it's like, it's like PTSD. You're like, I, I've been in those <laughs> empty gyms where like the middle school team plays and the JV team plays and the varsity girls play and then the varsity guys play and you're there the whole day. There's nobody in there really at all. And you're watching all these like little kids just like kind of throwing the ball around. And then in the, in the midst of all this that is so regular, there is this special phenomenon that is happening uh, you know, that's why they said it's like their secret, right? And, and then Bob McKillop and Davidson finding him and, and trying to mature who he was. And they liked the way liked the way that he was built and who he was. His mom was like, we'll put some weight on him. We'll fatten him up. They're like, we don't, we want him to be Steph. So just hearing kind of Steph, it felt like a little almost first person where Steph had, you know, this constant belief in himself and everyone around him, even his parents, people closest to him were like, yeah, we don't really quite see it. You know what I mean? And and that that to me was so fascinating to have like that that's really where it comes from. That chip on his shoulder since he was a sophomore relearning his shot. It's still there to this day in 2022, which is awesome. Yeah, I I feel like that moment that moment where they were talking about like he was like, "All right, well, if you want to buy into what we have to do here, that that the space between that that reality and his choice, I feel like that was the moment where like the Steph Curry that we knew was kind of born, where he like rebounded quickly from that, you know, in doing all the literal rebounding of missing all his shots that summer from adjusting his shot. But it's kind of the opposite of the 
I don't know. You hear people talk a lot about like the hero's journey kind of a thing where like the person is like bestowed with these special powers and rescued from their circumstances. I feel like Steph and and Michael Jordan specifically are a little they're kind of like prototypical American value, like bootstrap, um, even though, you know, it's not exactly bootstrap when your dad was like one, literally one of the best shooters in the history of the league. But but it has a rags to riches feel to it, right? I mean, that's why it's like this American, like, just like, what a story that like he went yeah. from nothing to something, right? That's what we love. Yeah, that this guy who everybody doubted and underestimated it kind of I mean, it makes me think of like the Captain America character where that, you know, it's like he's the scrawny guy and he like, uh, of course, you know, the leave out the part where he takes the super soldier serum for the for the point here. I'm trying to illustrate, <laughs> but like. You know, when he gets knocked down and he's just like, you know, holding up the holding up the trash can lid, it's just kind of that it appeals to that American sensibility, I feel like, of a, like, hell yeah. You know, it's like it's just that rah-rah kind of, um, you know, you're not going to be rescued. You're going to have to claw, you know, you're going to have to churn the milk to butter milk thing from from Catch Me If You Can. But I mean, Steph, yeah, w- watching him during those years, it's like I remember specifically thinking. I mean, I didn't see it either. Like, I mean, uh, you know, only a few people. I've researched this, and his it, parents and, didn't see it. I mean, that's that's the reality. I mean, the only person that really saw it is probably Steph and maybe his brother Seth. I mean, I've heard Seth talk about the stuff that he would do in the backyard with him, and he's like, "This guy is this guy is different." I mean, you know, even though he's my brother, I'm like, "What the hell is this?" You know what I mean? He saw it. He saw it formulating in front of him a little bit, and that's probably like the one person I would actually take their honest opinion, you know, about, about the whole thing. So, yeah, I mean, from what I've heard, it's like, it's interesting to hear like the different talent evaluators. It seems like even among the people, cause there's the, like nobody, there's this top level of like, it seemed like Bob McKillop kind of knew from the stuff I've like, he knew he was an NBA player apparently pretty early, but I don't think people knew the extent of it, obviously. And then there are the levels of like their coaches. There are a couple coaches who recruited him. Apparently one, Greg Marshall, who coached at Wichita state was one of the people who, uh, who saw him and like really, really was like something is here. Uh, so, you know, if you want to give credit to Greg Marshall, there you go. Uh, and then, um, you know, the Matt Matheny, the guy that the assistant coach for, for Davidson was one of the other ones that was like, yeah, I think this is like something we should keep an eye on. And I can't imagine the stress that they must've been under when they kind of, when Davidson had him on the hook of like, we think we can get this guy. We think we've discovered something that no one else has. I can't imagine the anxiety that they must have felt trying to get that fish into the boat. You know what I'm saying? Like just some, please God, some, someone don't discover how good this kid is. Right. Well, thank God for them that Seth Greenberg was the head coach of Virginia Tech because Steph Curry said in the documentary, quote, I wanted nothing more than to go to Virginia Tech where both my mom and dad went. We all kind of knew that story. We, we've all heard that, um, you know, throughout the years. Everybody knew that was the case, that Steph wanted to go to Virginia Tech. Um, anyone that wants to go to Blacksburg, you should let them go to Blacksburg. You know what I mean? Like, if you, <laughs> like if they want to go there, then then you should take them, no matter what star rating they are, in my opinion, especially when they're the son of an NBA star like Del Curry. Um, but Seth Greenberg came to their house. Um, they told the story in the doc, and, and this was like the cool college basketball insider part of this whole thing. And to hear, like I said, Steph's version of this, um, like we got Michael's version of The Last Dance, right? Steph said, <laughs> Seth Greenberg said to him and his parents, we don't think that he is big enough physically to play D1 basketball, and we don't have a spot for him um, at Virginia Tech. So he came to their house to tell them that, which I still find 
insane. He has said over the years that he is not he that did not happen. Um, <laughs> which I don't. I, mean, I would say the same thing. Yeah, Plaus, I, plausible deniability. Wipe that from my yeah, brain. He's like that never happened. I never. I never went this, there. But to hear the Currys say that, I mean, that is the most damning thing ever. I mean, that 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 says it all. The most like the most clear headed thing that I've heard him say about it, like the 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 version that I feel like he is trying to say is the definitive Kate like version of the record is that like they had two all ACC guards. I think it was like Xavier Dowdell and I forget Jamont. I forget his last name. Uh, the other guy who um, but they had two guys who were going to be playing like 35 minutes a game. And as he explained it, like he wasn't going to be playing. They were going to be playing ahead of him, which still you're like, OK, well all right, why not have this guy on the roster just come in and just like stab, you know, like it just slice and dice and score free wheel and stuff like that. But uh, he, he, the way he told it was just like, he said, just wait. It's like physically they wanted to give him some time to catch up because, you know, there's a two sides of the mouth thing here where like, Steph and his trainer talk about how Steph literally. Shout out out to Brandon Payne, by the way. Love to see BB in the doc. Yeah. Love that dude. Love that dude. Uh, really cool guy. Uh, but and and smart. But like they they love to talk about how like he's physically developed later in life. They talk about how like Steph is still physically maturing now. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like you can't you can't like one hundred percent like criticize people for the thinking at the time and then also be like okay, but yeah, it's this amazing thing. He's physically maturing later. You know, it's can't be both, right? It's like Seth was kind of in his right mind, but. I don't know. I giving him any roster spot seems like it would have made sense. Like maybe he wasn't going to start, but you know what I'm saying. And I don't think that Curry was asking to go there and and get 30 shots a game or whatever it might be. But anyways, Bob McKillop uh, decided he went and watched Steph Curry play. He saw him scrawny. Like his mom was like, he still hasn't hit puberty yet, even though he was 17 years old. They're like, we're waiting for him to hit puberty. But McKillop, I thought this was a nice little insight into why Coach McKillop's one of the best in the game in general. But he said the reason why Stephen Curry stood out to him was not because he could shoot the basketball, not because he could score, not because, you know, he had this, you know, innate basketball IQ being around all these great players. He said his emotional toughness was what stood out with him. He was like, he would have the worst turnover, the dumbest turnover you've ever seen. And then the next possession would do something that you've never seen on a basketball court. And I think that is like the best way to kind of surmise the Stephen Curry experience too, which is like this playground level of, you know, he is very flexible in the way that he is able to bounce back, right? He is, he can have like the behind the back pass in the finals that everyone talked about. And you're like, what a boneheaded play. But that is also part of the Steph experience. It, it was yeah. this kind of beauty to it. And he also had the the emotional maturity and toughness, even though he physically wasn't mature. He was so emotionally mature to to get over it. And and Bob McKillop told the story. He went to practice first day at Davidson. Jason Richards, shout out to Jason Richards, uh, legendary guard at Davidson. We all fell in love with him. Love that backcourt. But he's like, Jay Rich, it's just going at him, scoring every single time he gets the ball, just literally like searching him out, hunting him, attacking him. Um, and he's like, McKillop pulls out a handkerchief, you know, and it's like, you want to wave the white flag, don't you? Don't you want to quit? You know what I mean? And they're, they were messing and going at him from day one at Davidson. And he got to be a regular student because he was out of the way. Um, but he also, they were pushing him because these guys knew they had something special in the fold. Um, and shout out to Coach McKillop. The, the guy had never won an NCAA tournament game until Stephen Curry walks through the door at Davidson. And he's such a good basketball coach. But the, the special connection between those two 
And I remember when they played Maryland, when they were a 13 seed, the 2007, the year before the run in 2008, it was Grievous Vasquez going up against Steph Curry. And I remember watching those two guys because Grievous is tough as hell. You know what I mean? And Steph, I think Grievous thought he could punk Steph, right? I mean, that, that was, you look at him and you say, okay, this is going to be good for us. And I remember in that game, Steph did not break. And they were going at each other. They're going back and forth. And, I, and Gary Williams, is he's losing his mind. He's red in the face. And he's slamming the chairs because he's like, why is this guy, how are we letting these guys get shots up? You know what I mean? Um, but that, that first game in the tournament that they lost was the signifier to me that like, oh, my God. Like you said, I mean, they, they kind of made it like he, he was known once he got in 2008. But if you watched in 07, you're like this guy number 30 Stephen Curry. Wow, he's got something. He he's he's really about it and Grievous Vasquez knew that that day too. Yeah, who's the other guy Osby that was on that Maryland team yeah. that like played well at the at the Dean Dome to beat you guys that year? Do you remember that? I just remember him like, you know, Matumbo grabbing the ball, not to resurface bad <laughs> memories for you tape, but cuz they they lost to that Maryland team twice, didn't they? Yeah, they, like, right. I mean, and and Grievous Vasquez um the second time that they lost in the Dean Dome, Grievous Vasquez was going to the crowd like, "Can can you can you get louder for me?" You know what I mean? Like he was uh people talk about <laughs> JJ Redick being someone that was, you know, antagonizing the crowd. Grievous Vasquez did it at the Dean Dome at the at the highest level, to be quite honest. The Maryland, and we we need Maryland back in the ACC. Can we agree right. on that? Come on, uh, they I'm, were just such I've been an fighting awesome for that my whole life. I yelled at the first time I met SVP. I, I yelled that at him that they have to come back to the ACC, and he was like, "What is wrong with this guy?" I'm like, "I have one point to make, to you, sir." <laughs> if I get to talk to SVP, I will get this point <laughs> I, off. I, I have one thing uh, to say to you. Yeah. Uh, Bob McKillop is awesome though. Like it's fun. I've listened to him talk. I've like listened to it, like, uh, not be too dweeby about it, but I mean, I've listened to him talk at length a lot and, uh, I've, and from other coaches that I've talked to his reputation among them is really high. And he's somebody that could have moved on at different points. Like, mm, um, for sure. somebody, some, somebody that could have, you know, if he were like ladder minded, you know, he could have moved on to another situation. And he, he just was never in that did. New York basketball coaching fraternity with like the Mike Fratellos of the world and all those guys and, and Hubie Brown, right. You could easily, like you said, climb the ranks if you wanted to, but I think he had a nice thing at Davidson he, I mean, Davidson has history, as they showed in the doc. I mean, Lefty Drizel, one of the best coaches in basketball history, obviously coached at Maryland, uh, connecting it back to Maryland. But Lefty Drizel took Davidson the, to the Elite Eight in 1969, where they played North Carolina in the Elite Eight. So there was history at Davidson. McKillop was trying to build something with that program. And the fact in 08, they played number one North Carolina to open the season. It was a very close game. This is, the you know, Tyler Hansborough, Wayne Ellington, Ty Lawson, Danny Green. I mean, this is the primo North Carolina team that was expected to go in the title. They played Davidson. It's a very close game. It was the first game that North Carolina fans were like, are we sure we're really about to go do this? I mean, after choking yeah. to Georgetown the year before, um, where they didn't score for the last eight minutes of the game after having a big lead. You're like, oh, man, I, I don't know about this group. Can they actually do it? Then Duke gets scared by Davidson. Uh, it was a very close game. I remember watching that game and saying, okay, well, maybe this Davidson team's just actually really good. Then they played NC State. Steph Curry had a shot at the buzzer, like a half-court heave, like a Chandler Parsons-type shot that doesn't go in. But State fans, they got to take their, like, you know, breath of fresh air. They played UCLA. Curry versus Westbrook and Darren Collison, um, Kevin Love. I mean, Davidson played all these teams November, December of that year. They lost all of them. But that that climb, you were like, okay, they, this team is 
on the radar. And then they get in the SoCon. They win 25 straight. They're just beating everybody. They beat the brakes out of Elon in the tournament championship game before they get into the tournament. And then the funniest thing to me or the most ironic thing was they get to that tournament in 08 and it's Gonzaga who is, you know, they are their own version of this underdog. At this point, they're not really an underdog anymore. They, they have a really good basketball team, but they still have that underdog tag. And then they're playing Davidson, who is the ultimate underdog. And Steph Curry in that game, they get down early. I was at that. I'm in the Michael Wilbon phase of my career now where I can say I was at that game. Uh, oh. I was at that game. And it was like, Carolina fans are there because it's obviously Carolina's playing in the same building. They're playing at the RBC Center. But the way that Steph Curry, not only in that game, but in the next game when they played Georgetown, and, you know, Dell told the story before the game. Doc Rivers walks over to him and Sonya, and he's like, hope you guys enjoy your last tailgate. You know what I mean? Like, basically, like, it's like the Montagues and the Capulets of basketball, the Rivers <laughs> and the Currys. You know what I mean? Like, these two families that are star-crossed. Now they have, you know, a, a, a son and a daughter that are married to each other. But, you know, you there's need not, to write this script, Tate. This is well, good. I, well, I've well, never heard you say that. Well, they're, they're obviously like they have this weird like kind of, you know, and then Seth and, you know, obviously Austin play on the same team at Duke together. They, they have this like weird connection. And the fact that Doc said that to Dell and then you go into this game with Georgetown with Roy Hibbert um, with this year where Roy Hibbert was expected to go to the final four with this Georgetown team. A lot of people thought they would. They were so talented, so defensively talented. And then Steph Curry, that moment in the building when the North Carolina fans who have no dog in this fight, maybe they wanted to see Georgetown lose because of 07. But well, the, I was going to say they probably wanted. They, well, was that was it a situation where Carolina would just happen to be at the same site, but not the same bracket? Not Is the that same. What it was? No, they're not in the yeah. Midwest. They're in the East, but they're in the same yeah. site. So like, there's yeah. really no stakes. You're watching the two seat of the Midwest, which is Kansas. Kansas is number one in the Midwest. So whoever wins that regional, you'll play in the Final Four. Was kind of the thought. So if you're like, if Georgetown loses, that's great for us because Hansborough doesn't have to play. Roy Hibbert in the final four, potentially. That's the way that you look at it. But the way that Steph Curry won over that general audience in the crowd, it was like a crescendo. It was like slowly a murmur. And then, you know, they were down 17 points. And then he's like, you're like, wait a second. Oh my God, is this really happening? You know what I mean? And in, in the way that it popped, I, in that moment in time, you're like this kid, I don't really, I, I wanted to buy a jersey. And I remember they had the witness Nike t-shirts uh, when they played Wisconsin. LeBron goes to the game. The Nike executives call and they're like, LeBron wants to be there. I spent, I went to my computer room in my house and spent hours trying to find a witness, like the witness Nike t-shirt, but they only gave it to the students. But like, that's how much Steph Curry in that moment, like all my friends were talking about Steph Curry. We're like, what, what is this? Like it, it was angelic. And that That's rebound be, by Lovedale was was the real winner. They talked about it in the doc. Huge, like, incredible. Yeah, they had, they had a, uh, like a team that fit together really well. Like the you know like Will Archambault and like Lovedale, Boris Mino, Thomas Sander, Jason Richards. They had a lot of guys who could play. But uh, it's interesting. Um, I'm all about like uh, rare artifacts like basketball artifacts how much do you think one of those davidson witness t-shirts like one of the original ones i, I wonder I've if those tried are out to there find I've never... it for years but obviously those kids those davidson kids will never give those shirts away and if they had it's like when you like i have an intramural championship shirt from school and that is one of my most prized possessions and every time i do a move i like make sure i have it because i don't want to lose it because there's no way to get it back and then you're just that guy that's like i actually did win i just don't have my shirt it's like I actually was at those games, and you need to have your witness shirt to prove it. So if anyone is selling that shirt, 
they're an idiot because that shirt is history. And uh, yeah. I also let me know. <laughs> yeah. Also, reach out, reach out, DM us. <laughs> yeah, Jody, there was a witness. The witness season was pretty fun there for the, for that. Like, you know, there was a LeBron witness. There was actually a Jody Meeks witness shirt because he set the school scoring record. Right. Uh, I remember there, Jody I, I Meeks. Having, I haven't been able to find that one. The, um, the Curry one is the number one. And, and it also shows how much, like in the battle of the brands that we talk about, you and I love the brands. Nike's fumbling of Steph Curry because they had him from day one in that situation is all time. And I do think if Nike had kept Steph Curry, he would even be talked about in an even larger light than he is right now, which is insane to think. But if it got to that point, then I think Nike would have pivoted from LeBron to KD and Curry. They would have done a two-for-one type deal, and they would have promoted those guys together to be the well, top. It's sort of a cursed intersection of footwear lore and a, a potential derailment of a career because you hear like whenever you hear like real hoop heads like people who are into like basketball shoes and stuff when they talk about the hyperdunks from that era it's like it's 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 a bubbly like it, it's like they stand basically like the hyperdunks from that era were like very 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 popular and if i'm not mistaken that was the era the hyperdunks from that era were when actually it might have been the the 2k I'm, I'm maybe getting that wrong but i'm just thinking like the you know curry wore those a lot during that era so there's kind of a weird like you know it was probably you know you're assigning the shoe to the to the situation in a way that maybe isn't accurate but you know that that is interesting to me that step uh I don't know. I don't know how his career would have been different if he'd been with Nike. Like, it's just kind of... Um, well, the hyperdunks his... were, were high tops, which were great for his ankles. So it, yeah. it was already built in to, to, to make it work. I mean, obviously, people talk about how he got hurt in the NBA with, with Nikes and things like that. But his ankles, I think, just needed to be surgically repaired anyway. And then he worked really hard to to take the pressure off of his ankles. I mean, he, mm -hmm. he is a fascinating case study um, in general. I wish he would have hit the shot against Kansas in the Elite Eight, but shout out to Bill Self, Mario Chalmers, uh, Sasha Khan, uh, our guy, six for six in that Elite Eight game, by the way. Sasha Khan was huge for Kansas, came off the bench. Cole Aldridge only played five minutes in that game, um, and then he went on to the Final Four. Him and Darrell Arthur destroyed Tyler Hansbro together. So that's just how deep that Kansas team was, that that – I mean, they could have beat Davidson could have beat Kansas that year. Um, so that was it was a great doc. It was a great run. Uh, Kyle was looking at me. We got to take a break. But uh, one last thing I wanted to shout out about the doc. Cannon Curry, get buckets. Uh, Cannon Curry is the star of the doc. So um, and, and I don't know how to prepare people for this. But if you think Axel Woods, Charlie Axel Woods is going to be a problem for the game of golf. Wait till Cannon Curry comes because uh, the kid is he ready. He looks like a power guard to me. Like he doesn't look like he's gonna be. He looks like he's gonna be a Kyle Lowry type. Like that kid's a that kid's a rock. He's gonna yeah, be. He's, I got, he's a physical he's got a driver. Strong base. A very strong base <laughs> in the legs for sure. Um, he yeah. was shout out to Cam. He was reminding me of my son. Some of the little just kind of like comments he was throwing in there. You're just like no filter, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was. I I laughed out loud a couple times at his son and that dog. Yeah. Shout out to Cannon Curry. Uh, go watch the doc if you had it. It was great and it was great for uh, 2008. Uh, NCAA tournament nostalgia. We love to see it. Shout out to Jim Nance with some great calls. Gus Johnson with some great calls um, as well during that run. Uh, we're going to take a break and then we're going to come back. We're going to talk about the Gavoni mystery uh, surrounding uh, Serbia. And we're also going to talk about slam ball. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. 
You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. All right, we're back. We're talking about, we got a new mystery. Uh, I like getting mysteries in the world of basketball. I like trying to solve mysteries. I'm a Hardy Boys guy. I'm a Sherlock Holmes guy. I'm a Nancy Drew guy. Is that right? Can you say you're a Nancy Drew guy? But Nancy Drew's what, got- she canceled? Well, I mean, no, maybe, no. I mean, most people don't- <laughs> Nancy Drew got canceled. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Oh, okay. I think Nancy Drew's safe. All right. Um, but shout out to mysteries. We love mysteries. There's a new mystery in basketball, and it's not Bronny James being uh, on a first-round mock draft. It is something different involving Jonathan Gavoni, and it involved the U18 European Championship. Um, apparently, uh, Gavoni tweeted that the court was basically uh, unsafe, uh, a lot of water, uh, you know, humidity in the gym. It was an elementary school gym. Guys were slight. <laughs> yeah, right, Kyle. And I don't want to talk too much about this because I'm scared of the Serbians. I'm going to say that too because uh, I think I think that they will come find us and and delete our accounts and things like that. So I don't know what happened. This is all under the guise of plausible deniability. I'm just I'm just letting you know what we've seen. Uh, but the mystery is this: Gavoni tweeted that it was unsafe. Um, FIBA says it's going to investigate, which is a great NCAA, uh, FIFA type answer. Like we're going to look into it, AK, shut up and leave us alone. We're, we don't want to do anything about it. Um, uh, but it was Poland and Turkey were playing guys were getting hurt and the teams both boycotted. And then Gavoni's account got suspended for tweeting about how unsafe it was. And, and now stories are being written. FIBA's investigating Kyle, man, what, what did you see here? You pointed this out to me. Uh, yeah, I, I love that his clip of the players uh, slipping is actually got disabled and removed. Right. I just find there's just sort of a dark hand element to this that's fascinating. You're like, what's going on, man? I mean, like, I, I posited to you, I was like, do you think that maybe the Serbians in, um, I don't want them coming after me, and we have a great dynamic, me and the Serbians, to this point. We'll see how it goes But wait, after I say this. But you, do you think maybe upon finding out that Joker wasn't going to play for <laughs> them, for reaction. the national team, that they decided <laughs> to become the Joker and just be like, Fuck it. We're gonna you know, if we can't win, no one's gonna win. Maybe, you know, maybe was, it was all their tears from crying about Jokic not playing. <laughs> and then the court, all the little kids at the elementary school are crying about Jokic not playing, and that was their tears. Oh, okay. 
That's what it was. I mean, I, it was, I, it, something, something's got to give here. Why are they in, in an elementary school for one thing? That's a real question. Is FIBA like, do, do they have like the same or probably not the same, but do they have like some similar corruption allegations like FIFA? I know they're different, but they kind of do the same thing, right? I mean, FIFA is like, uh, talk about like a shadow hand or underbelly or whatever, but is, is FIBA like, is, has there has there been similar things said about FIBA or no? I, I just think FIBA doesn't have the money at that level yet to get those allegations. But as soon as the international game continues to rise and take over, the the more the allegations will come. I mean, Kyle, I, I, you, you're going to need to walk. You're going to need to walk with Tate to the parking garage at Spotify <laughs> after this. Like, I'm worried. I'm worried we're going to find a, Tate. I'm worried. In the front seat I, of I'm his gonna car. I'm going to say this right now for all my Serbian brothers and sisters out there. I know that you guys love the game, and so do I. So, I mean, let's just let's just leave it at that. We understand let's that. Let's bond we're, over yeah, that. We're, we're on a base level there of understanding. Yeah, let's bond over that. No, <laughs> I haven't heard anything like that about about FIBA. Uh, it is interesting, though. Yeah, it, it, free Gavoni. Yeah, I, I was I was amused by uh, the, the 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 controversy there for sure. And was he at the game? That was the last. That was the last thing. He's I He's always at the game. Right. That's his thing. He's the man in the arena, man. He's uh, he's always there. And I'll say this <laughs> about that elementary arena, schools. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> different arenas to be clear. Right. Uh, no, I'll, I'll say this about elementary schools. Uh, I have uh, run pickup in elementary schools. They're the best places to play because the courts are unused, basically. They're like pristine. It's like, um, I don't know, like the ri- the rims haven't been touched. Everything is just, everything's nice. So I'm, j- I'm going to say I don't I don't blame. Some of the best pickup runs I've ever had were like held at elementary schools because I had a friend who like worked at one and mm. things like that. That's a key. If you're a hooper, find a teacher. Find 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 an administrator at a school that also hoops, and you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna have success. Yeah, I got lucky that one of the kids uh, that I played uh, golf with in high school, he is now one of the basketball coaches at our rival high school. So at Christmas time, he opens the gym for us, and then everyone comes in. You play each other. You know what I mean? It's it's good to know somebody that has the keys to the gym. That that is a tried and true thing in the game of basketball. Gavoni needs to make sure that he has keys uh, to get out of the gym next time he's in Serbia because they are probably going to have eyeballs all on him. Um, and again, I respect the Serbian basketball powerhouse. I respect Jokic. I, I don't know what happened. This is all allegedly. This is all reportedly. So uh, the mystery continues. Gavoni, free Gavoni. Make the T-shirts. Print the T-shirts. Um, let's talk about slam ball because... This is a this is something that obviously came to us post Y2K. It was a um, a sport that you know it captured me as a ten year old. I will say that I, I was in the the era of and one. Um, I was down to watch Spike TV for fun recreationally. Cable TV was hot and popping at the time, and Slam Ball captured the zeitgeist. And now it's back for what like the third or fourth iteration of Slam Ball. But the first games happened. And they came out just absolutely on fire. I mean, there was a huge block to open the first game that I watched. I don't remember any of the players' names. I don't remember the team's names. I just watched in a Dave and Buster's waiting to go to Oppenheimer at the Chinese Theater, which is probably the funniest place to watch the opening of Slam Ball. But the people at the bar's reaction to Slam Ball made me believe it might be back because the, the game starts, they highlight one player, I don't remember his name, and you're like, I guess he's the star. And then they highlight this other guy, and you're like, I guess he's the star. They're like, he's a great defender. Game opens up, absolute insane block. Like insane, like guy jumps on trampoline, guy meets him at the top of the top of the point, swats it down. And then on the other end, in a massive dunk. And this, these people in the Dave and Busters are just like falling over themselves for slam ball. Did you watch Kyle Mann? And, and are we buying into slam ball hype? Because in that moment, maybe I was around the right clientele, but I kind of believed for that split second. 
Um, no, I did not watch. And it sounds like you were. Uh, <laughs> I've seen I've seen highlights. Right. Um, how do I not sound like a curmudgeon about this? Um, Don't you dare. Here's my Kyle's take watching on highlights right now. In fact, Kyle's my already got has, a team. He told me he has to find a team. I already we'll, got a team. Yeah, that's a, we'll come back and we'll figure that out in a second. But Kyle, man, you're anti. You don't like it. You don't want slam ball. No, no I mean, I mean, like I'm all for having a good time. Off season sports. You, you're you're against off season wow. sports. We should all be filling out our scorecards for baseball games. What is it? <laughs> There's plenty of basketball year round for me if I want it at any, right. at any given time. There's too much. I always say it's a it's a pile that I shovel that does not move, but I enjoy the I enjoy the shoveling anyway. Like the. I'm curious if how if like the number of torn ACLs is higher in that sport than other mm. sports. I'm just wondering about that. You're talking about guys meeting at the in the danger zone and 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 having the, you know the big blocks. I'm just wondering you collide at the top, you come down funny. I just I'm like I don't know. The injury rate seems like it'd be higher just to start, don't you think? I would think so, but then I will say I watched uh you know a half and a quarter of the second half and no one was even close to injured. In fact, it felt like people were getting stronger, if anything. And <laughs> and they play like out front, like they play like football rules. I mean, they basically just like they just tackle each other and like like guys are setting picks but instead of the picks being set, they're just blowing it up, you know what I mean? Like it was like a an offensive lineman or a fullback or something. I've never, I was doing the rip move. <laughs> I, I Maybe I got like these senses or like I got more sensitive as with my eyes as I got older. But when I was watching this game, I was like, this is brutal. This is a, this is a, an insane athletic matchup here. And the guy who invented this sport literally was the producer of cousin Skeeter. And I have to always go back to that. You know what I mean? That, Someone I don't that even cre- know what Cousin Skeeter is. It's what a Nickelodeon even is that? show from way back in the day. It was where I first oh, like discovered Doug? Megan Good. Um, this is the first oh. time I saw Megan Good um, as, as a young boy. But uh, that's who made this sport. And I will say the one thing I do like about slam ball that I learned watching, and it's something that the NBA should adopt, in my opinion, three points for dunks. Three points for dunks. Tyler has pitched this before. I, it's I, I it's not a, a terrible idea. Line. I don't want a four-point line, but I, I like the idea at the end of a game, you know that James Harden could take a step back three, but it's not like he has to take a step back three to get three points. You know what I'm saying? Like I like yeah. the idea that if you if you come out and you're playing him up too, too hard, he can get by you and dunk it and still get three points. That's what I liked about slam ball. That's my one nice note about the gameplay. I uh, mine is more just about trampoline. My note is about trampolines and basketball. <laughs> you're more about in trampolines. You're, you're hung up on the trampolines. <laughs> my my kind of general just vibe about trampolines and basketball is mm. who gives a shit, man? Who gives a shit? Every time I go to these games and they're like David flipping Buster's around, people. the they guys are like shit. The guys are like throwing, you know, pumping their fists at the crowd. They're like, "Get on your feet! Did you not see what I just did?" And I'm always just like, "Who gives a shit, man? Like I just mm. can't." I can't care about it. Can like, I ask you I, I this? Don't know. Can I ask you this? Did you have a trampoline? Did, or did you have friends that had trampolines? Were we you a briefly, trampoline kid? I'm not going to act like I We got it like when I was a little older, like my sisters, like my younger sisters friend group, like we got it around then. And I was just, I was kind of into it. I was, I was in that teenage, you know, yeah. I feel like probably like late elementary school, early middle school is probably... I don't know. Maybe Seven just, to eleven is trampoline primo time. Yeah, that's when you're like you're mastering the flipping and the mm-hmm. stuff and all that. Your body can do it. a lot like, more things, like a lot more contorting. It's yes, it's true. It's true. I just I'm kind of just like yeah. Well, of course you're doing something amazing. You're jumping off of a trampoline. I just don't like. It's not impressive to me. I just don't care. Like I, I know some people can flip <laughs> better than others on trampolines, but I just right. don't. 
I never, uh, I don't get excited. I don't equate it with getting excited at a basketball game. To me, it's just like filler that hasn't been phased out yet, you know, at games. I'm sorry to the trampoline community. I'm, I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's interesting and it's, in the same way that like um, I want to equate it to gymnastics because that's actually like a real sport. Um, I don't know. I, maybe I'll get into it. I don't know. Maybe I, I'll come to Dave Buster's and, and uh, pound really, some, really uh, throw what's, some cold what's, water on this. Yeah, thing, yeah. Huh? I will tell you this. <laughs> if, if Slam Ball was smart and they actually care about the product, halftime show should be investor of Slam Ball, Blake Griffin, on the Slam Ball court doing dunks because I need context of the feats. Cause his it, body it, can't move like that anymore. Well, so maybe Griffin on a trampoline, it could at least let us know. Like, can I can I get a counterpoint of what Nate Robinson looks like on this trampoline dunking, so that then I can be even more impressed by what I'm seeing? Because right now I feel like I need like uh, someone to to give me the marker of like how impressive this was. Because everyone in the game, like I don't even know their names, they're doing incredible stuff, right? But I'm like, is this is this more possible or feasible than it should be? <laughs> Um, but was that Chris Ryan? God damn right. Chris that was Ryan, Chris Ryan. Just coming to check me for my top five. I, I know he literally, what if he walked in was like, Tate, give me your updated top five. <laughs> now. He had shades on. Chris <laughs> Ryan was walking around in shades. Cause in that guy, that's a cold blooded, that's a cold blooded man right there. Talk um, about talk about bolstering your image. What just happened just now? And I said it out totally loud. It's on the here, record. By the way. He fucking walked in anyway. <laughs> Maybe he wanted to get on the show. Maybe we should have well, brought him in. Well, you can see. You could see me really big on the screen, so I was like, "What did he think was happening in here?" I don't know. I don't. I appreciate it though. That was think nice. about the legend of Chris Ryan. He's just walking around the studio with shades on inside. Fast I just walk. feel like that was perfect for I'm, what people think of him. Based on his walk, I'm not gonna lie. He's looking for Andy Greenwald. <laughs> yeah. He's a, he's about to do the watch. Andy Greenwald is in one of these other studios. If there's something I know about Chris Ryan. He is trying to find Andy Greenwald right now. But look, Slam Ball is great. Kyle, can we get your team? You love Slam Ball. How about more like slam brawl? Am I right? I mean, God damn, these people are fighting. I mean, I've seen, yeah, I've just watched a bunch of highlights while you guys were talking all that shit about Steph Curry for 20 minutes. And uh, I spent a lot oh, of time. Come sorry, on. sorry, we were fawning over <laughs> one of the greatest than I basketball thought. players. Just longer okay. than I thought you would talk about it for. Okay. So anyway, I got some really nice slam ball clips in. Uh, I, I saw, first I looked at the teams before I looked at the standings. I think that's important to note. I mean, mob, the mob. mob. And I was like, oh, maybe team. it's mob. Yeah. Like, maybe it's mob like a... Uh, you know, fans or something. It's like, no, no, it's pinstripes. It's the guys in the fedora. It's right. like, it's Lombardi's favorite team. It's great. Is that going to be on the chopping block for like uh, appropriation? But I mean, it could, they could be talking about Jews or Italians. Or Wait anybody, a minute. Right? right. I think it's open. Are they literally dressing up like, like an organized crime yes, family? Yes. Like, they're, they're like, we are a syndicate. We are the mob. Fuck, yeah. yeah like, their logo, their logo yeah, is actually. like a guy, a guy in a fedora. <laughs> yes. And they're the, the back of the, like they're, it's like pinstripes and shit in the back. So they're it's nicknamed like, the Capones. Yeah, uh, and yeah, I'm, I, uh, I, I've got my wife into, into Sopranos, so she's never even thought about the show before. And she's like, "This might be the greatest show ever." I was like, "That's my thought." So we're back <laughs> in that, and then to see to see this, that's just so you're great. a mob guy. And then I check out their four and zero, and it's just, I mean, it's like uh, I might have a new Patriots run here. Just like right, right time, right place. Is there a player? Have you seen any of the yes. names? Who's the leading score? Like who, who's someone that we should care about? We need a name. I need a name because in the world of basketball now, people don't even pull for teams. They well, pull for players. This one's easy. Deontay Bird, um, spelled great as, name. Spelled as the same way as uh, Bird from Judge Judy, and uh, he's a stopper. He's the oldest guy on the team, born in 1993, and uh, and he's, he's the old. He's our age. He's the oldest guy on the team. <laughs> yes. What the hell? 
Yeah. Orthopedically speaking, this is not a game for I, I just kid. I, who's the oldest player in the league? I, I'm just got to be 34. But like, to your point, like these guys aren't jumping and landing on like hard ground. So I'm wondering, like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's a guy meeting you at, you know, your feet are 10 feet in the air or something. But, you know, you're landing on your first of all, you're not even landing on your feet half the time. You're, fucking uh, you know, landing on your side or something and then bouncing back up. And and then the other thing I was going to say, it seems like they got a real problem with the If you want to call them helmets, they're just like beanies that have like uh, <laughs> that have uh, like padded stuff on them. Uh, you, you should you should. I mean, you saw the high highlights, but uh, they have a real problem with them staying on. And I think I was like, maybe they should put a strap. But like you know, to keep them on. But like, it already looks so uncool right now. Right. I think a strap would, would would. Well, they should reach out to the uh, less is more. I, yeah, I, I think they should take off the pads. That's what I think. <laughs> I mean, they just every time a guy jumps up, you see him like fixing his beanie or something. It's like and uh, guys will be driving by on. and then lose like. With and the what's speed, the rule? Do you have lose. to stop? Do you have to stop? Well, no, the, they no, keep going. You keep going. They right. should reach out to the Jewish community about this because I play basketball at the Jewish Community Center here in Louisville, not to invite anybody to come see how terrible I am or kick my ass, but. There are Jewish fellows there that play sometimes and they have these athletic yarmulkes and, Ooh, uh, and they cold. stay on somehow. And I don't know how it's cold. It's impressive. Huh. I've seen it both ways. I've seen the guys take off running and it just goes flying like a piece of paper. But I, just just a thought. I don't know if they want to source some sort of uh, athletic technology. For the slam ball. What about like headbands instead of instead of mm. I mean, the caps are they're like swimmers caps that have it just looks very uncool. And like the guy's doing something really cool, even though you seem to disagree that it's cool or not. Um, but like he's, you know, he, like he's he's running fast, he's jumping high, and then he's like, you know, he's got this goofy hat on that's falling off, and he's like, you know, trying to reposition it as he gets on defense. So um, I don't know. And then the other thing I would say, like, do we need to raise the rims? Like, what is it? What's the mm. threshold for you? Do we have to raise the mm. rims? I was, I was, I was trying to. You can't find this information anywhere about how tall are the rims in slam ball. I imagine they're probably regular height because people are also shooting the they're ball. They're shooting threes. I think they are 10 feet. I think it's confirmed 10 feet. Yeah, they were talking I haven't about found it anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Are it's, there any good shooters? Yeah, they, there, there any, have yeah. some shooters out there, but like I said, a dunk is three points and instead of the NBA, everyone's like trying to kick it out for three and slam ball, everyone's trying to jump on the trampoline for the big dunk. You know what I mean? That's like the lead up and if you get by your guy and you have a lead in, it's like you're basically, there's one guy left who's going to come over and try to protect the rim. So you can see the build. The beauty of the game when I was watching was like you could see the writing on threes the wall. Threes are soft, basically. right? Yeah, if you <laughs> threes are three, you're soft. And honestly, the way you get hurt is when you're out front. When yeah. guys are just like they just sometimes they just run you over and take the ball from you. How about the fouling situation? Did you <laughs> yeah. notice this? If you get if you if there's a foul, the guy who gets fouled faces off one on one with the guy who fouled, and he's just gonna try to yam it on you. And right. that's that's how we settle fouls in slam ball. Kyle. Right. Yeah, I like it. Maybe, maybe I'll be, I mean, maybe this is a, just a little light project, secondary project for us is for me to see if I can find a way to get into it. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I, like I said, my thing was mainly more just about the re the relationship between trampolines and basketball. I kind of have always had a hard time about with pools? But, like pools and basketball. I always like that. I like pools. If I'm there, I'll I'll do it. I'll get involved. It's pretty. You know, it, I mean, in. you're out of breath quick if you're playing pool basketball too. Yeah, That's it's impressive. like a it's got a water polo like kind of angle. I play to shallow end if I can, but even so, I mean, it's hard to move around. Right, and plus, like honestly, it leads to the same thing as slam ball, which is like guys tackling each <laughs> yes. other. You know what I mean? Like no matter what it is, like, <laughs> the, the element of panic is you're like, like under you're the not water. Playing actual basketball, someone's getting tackled. Like, but there's a little bit of like breathing room there. Someone's like, yeah, I guess I just got tackled. This the guy. rules are kind of strange too. I was reading the rules of slam ball. It and it's all like it's all sort <laughs> of like guide, they're this. like a uh, fucking like Jack Sparrow like it's more like guidelines they're like mm. you know you can't 
you can't take more than two steps unless it's accidental and it's like right. this is unless it's incidental contact unless this is a lot that, of gather like, steps yeah and uh, slam ball for sure like they're, they're not calling travels all the time because a lot of times you're like halfway concussed i mean like after you just went up and got slammed on you're like trying to get That's your what i'm talking back. about I don't know how there's not concussions, tornadoes. I, I, it's fascinating to me. I doubt uh, I need to probably do some more players research. have a union. I will say that. I, don't, I, <laughs> I think, I think <laughs> these guys CBA. are mercenaries, <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. But I'm glad I'm glad that Kyle's in. How many, there are eight teams, right? Eight there teams are eight teams, yeah. Right. So it's it's that's the other cool part of slam ball is like it's not overwhelming. It's like six weeks of actual gameplay and then uh, a playoffs. So it makes sense. And it's not taking up football. It's like, it's this perfect little compact time to do it. It's fun. Like I said, the entire Dave and Buster's crowd was going crazy about it. So I think that's good news for Slam Ball. That's the, that's the standard for anything, right? I mean, And yeah, I'm pretty just, sure Mike Tolan, friend of Bill Simmons, is involved or was involved in the original iteration of Slam Ball. So yeah, he's he knows, a co-founder. He's yeah. a co-founder, right? So Mike Tolan is, anything Tolan touches kind of turns to gold. He's like the Midas of media. And, uh, I mean, did the last dance. I mean, you can go through all the iterations of what Tolan has done, but, um, I think that slam ball has a chance. I'm not going to, I'm not going to count them out so far. And like I said, the general common man loves it. That makes me kind of like it. And, uh, I'm going to keep watching. And if Kyle's pulling for the mob, I think I'm pulling for the mob. I mean, granted, you don't want to fuck around and not, I don't want to, I don't want to get killed by the mob or the Serbian. The Serbian mob would be really, (laughs) really on this episode. We've tried to just piss off different niche groups of people. Not that the Serbian people are niche, but I'm saying just, I, I'm maybe, maybe this is a a project for me is just, uh, maybe next time I'm in LA, is that where the games are? Are they out there? Yeah. Oh, I'm not Summer going League. Back to Vegas. Never mind. Yeah, <laughs> I, I will never go back to Vegas until next year at Summer League. Uh, I needed I need a year break after what we just endured there, but uh, it looks fun. It probably is fun. I think we should start betting on these games. Should I get Fanduel to do some lines? That'd I be mean, great. That would be nice. That would be fun. Uh, shout out to Slam Ball. Speaking of shout outs, let's do some shout outs. Kyle, man, I'll start with you. Any shout outs for you before we get out of here? Because it is Monday. It is the dog days of summer, and uh, we're talking about Slam Ball. So there's not too much going on. Uh, I mean, one of my favorite things that I want to shout out uh, that happened this past week is uh, Duncan Robinson's uh, (laughs) press tour for Asha or Asha. I don't know how you pronounce it. The the noodle company. He's Mm -hmm. been on a a tour over in Asia for for this noodle company. Uh, The commercial is one of the best things I've ever seen. Uh, It's just this like raucous guitar, like hype music. And he's like shooting the ball in front of these audiences then like holding his form up and it's just and he is on an uh a, a jersey that is like an asia jersey yes. which i think would be a really valuable collector's item i'd like to get that from him if you wanted to uh you know sell that to me um it's just a sort of a surreal cool thing uh, and i'm thinking here i'm just like is this gonna set up um you know a, a pattern a trend are we gonna have dave chang reaching out to, mm. you know, like Lowry Markinen or Buddy Heald, you know, is is there a new opening here, a new marriage between noodle companies and, and uh, you know, designated shooters? I like the idea. Yeah, Those are, they're like the Nike of noodles, too. I mean, they are incredible noodles and they come out well, good every time with uh, with Chang stuff, so. Good, good for you, Duncan. I mean, you could have could have been an, a, you know a lesser noodle company, but well, you know. shoe shoe tours are played out. No one cares about your shoe, but we do have interest in your noodles, and uh, I do think that Duncan is doing the right thing. Also, going to Taiwan, um, very smart because when you go to China and you're a basketball player, you're going to get treated like a god. That's just inevitable. And Taiwan, in general, they have like a very like they like America by all accounts. You know, like the Taiwanese seem to be Westernized in the way that they view kind of the media and things. So like. 
He goes to a nice place. They know the Miami Heat. They know him. They go crazy. Giannis is doing the Nike tour right now. He's everywhere. Um, he's talking about chicken feet. He's like, I'm going to eat some chicken feet uh, with everybody. And they're like, does Giannis have a foot fetish? What is happening? Um, so like, he, <laughs> he's out in China having a good time. And then speaking of China, shout out to Kyle Anderson. Did you see this? Slow-mo is going to be playing for Team China. Um, so while Duncan is over there, yeah, right. How? Exactly. How? That, that just, how is... the, the waters are muddied. Um, but Kyle Anderson said, I need to be the leader. I need to be the franchise guy for one country. Apparently, his grandma is half Chinese. Um, oh. This is the way that he has gotten his foot in the door. Um, very smart, very succinct, and very under the radar. But next time we go to the Olympics, Kyle Anderson, slow-mo, will be playing with Team China. That'll be fun. Yeah, I like that. I was thinking, too, do you think we could get uh, like Joe Harris hooked up with like Cup of Noodles? I think that'd mm -hmm. be another one that we could do. Anyway, yeah, Kyle Anderson. Um, wow, I'm, I'm anxious to watch that. I want, I want to see a Kyle Anderson-led FIBA team. So, yeah, I'm excited about this. I'm there, down. There's our China update right there. We got you filled in. Um, shout out to Duncan Robinson. Happy to see it. Love to see it. Um, he's just one of the good guys out there. You know, there's a lot of bad guys. Maybe a few BAD guys. Uh, we, we try not to talk about them, but so much. But in general, Duncan Robinson, one of the good guys. Good shout-out. Kyle, anything else before? I, I want Kyle Crichton to do his shout-outs, too, because uh, he got mad at me last time I didn't give him shout-outs. <laughs> uh, no, I don't have one. Well, I loved uh, Rick Pitino's tweet about Drake, how he said, you know, <laughs> Kentucky has the famous Drake, you know, but they have the the Mr. Met, the Met mascots. I thought that showed a good sense of humor. It's it's the era. It's the Patina songs, man. It's, it's, it's really... It's a good time for the, for the Patino short, uh, you know, supporters. Rick Patino, the Rick Tater himself, is in every preseason top twenty five. And if there was anything that St. John's wanted from the Rick Patino experience, it is to be important and to matter. And I do think that the two freshmen that they have, Brady Dunlap, who came from Harvard Westlake, Bill Simmons loves him, and Simeon Wilcher, who is supposed to be a Tar Heel, a decommitted when Cadeau came in. So now he's with St. John's. I think those two freshmen are going to be great for them. They're a fun team. Shout out to Rick Patino. Kyle Creighton, other than slam ball, what are your shout outs? Well, just looked at the college basketball Google today. And, yes. um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I wouldn't really count as news. What but is Angel Reese up to? Shout out to, <laughs> shout out to Sports uh, Illustrated, which is not the spun, which is also run by Sports Illustrated. I haven't seen a spun headline, which is really what, the only place we go to for our college basketball women's dating scenes. But um, this one says uh, FSU head coach Leonard Hamilton comments on possibility of retirement. And I was like, hold on. Wait a second. And I I love uh, Leonard Hamilton for various of reasons. Of course. Also, my brother's at Florida State. And he had that great weird timeout situation. Uh, yeah. Was that two what, years what, ago? What, Dana? Huh? Huh? <laughs> Where that am was 2018. I? Great time. Where am I? And Duncan he, Robinson on the other side of that game, by the way. Shout out to Michigan. Yes. Uh, and so uh, it's actually, the, it's a complete non-story. It was just uh, Jeff Goodman had a tweet uh, or an X, whatever we're calling it now. Um he says, I'm about as energized as I have been. It's basically him saying he's not going to retire and he's got two years left on a five-year deal. But shout out to Sports Illustrated for making a complete non-story into the first page of my uh, college basketball Google search. There you go. Shout out to SEO. Shout out to the headlines working. You click. You told us. You yep. got us up to speed. And Leonard Hamilton, he said the only two things that he likes is listening to Christian music, gospel music, and basketball. So that is that is what he said he wants to do. He's not doing anything else. Yeah, other he says than he hates to... playing golf. I'm not. Yeah, yeah I'm he playing. said I hate golf. I hate uh, painting. I don't like I, to travel. I, I, he said I hate traveling. I literally he only like way gospel to music talk about painting, basketball, chicken fingers and fries. Don't yeah. give me nothing else. That's right. So Leonard Hamilton, simple man. We love him. We love to hear that he's going to be locked in. And uh, Florida State should have a bounce back year. So shout out to Coach Ham. 
Again, we love to see it. Shout out to X Twitter. Is it is it Twitter still? What is it? Do we know? I don't I don't, I don't know, but know. we should we should shout out the idea that I'm gonna lose my biggest uh platform. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh this is this is not good news for me. How's it uh, going it on threads? Uh threads, I think I'm over five thousand, which uh Brendan Kaminsky, shout out to Brendan Kaminsky. He's a social media guru out there and his brother Wes Kaminsky. But I asked the Kaminsky's together. I was like, what do I need to have on threads where it's like, okay, you know what I mean? Where I'm this like, is a guy. and they, they told me five, they told me five K, they said at least five K. So I'm over five okay. K, um, but that's not going to do it, Kyle. I'm worried. Oh, we're struggling. Um, I'm struggling big time. I'm at on 511. Threads. On yeah, threads? Not going well. Yeah. Oh gosh. Well, if you're on threads and you're listening right now, one, I'm sorry that you're on threads and two, go follow Kyle, man. And, and me, if you haven't, because we're we're waiting in dark waters right now. I don't know what X is, but I don't want to be a part of it. Um, I do know that. But again, don't come find me, X employees. Uh, it feels like a Kendall Roy pitch that is now real, <laughs> right. and I don't like it at all. It is scary. It is scary out here. But it's a little uh, bit of Twitter, a little bit of StockX, a little yeah, bit of Instagram, it's like yeah. every, eBay. It's like every company that he's ever been a part of. He's like, it's PayPal, it's Tesla. It's like, you're like what? <laughs> it's a t- it's a t- two timelines. I'm dead, but I'm alive. All right, well, follow them on uh, uh, Threads. Follow me on Venmo. Time Shady three hundred. Oh right, right. Maybe I should just start tweeting <laughs> yeah. from Venmo. Like right. I'll pay people like two cents. Here's my two cents, yeah. and I just tweet what I think. <laughs> Because there's the social feed on Venmo. It's a yeah. social feed, right? And it kind of looks like OG Twitter. You know what I mean? I just like pay people two cents. Like I like it. All right. Maybe that'll be my move. We'll see what happens. But shout out to... Uh, and if you want to be friends, you got to pay me $10. But then I'll, I'll give you two cents every time. Right. <laughs> right. I also uh, might just start like, instead of tweeting, I'll just do my tweets on the show. You know what I mean? I'll just do a segment, <laughs> Tweets by Tate. Things I would have <laughs> tweeted uh, if it did exist. I- I had a friend who quit Twitter for a brief time and he just started texting me these like really well-constructed thoughts all out of it. It was Kyle Tucker. Oh, he, shout he, out to Kyle Tucker. He quit Twitter for a little bit and, he kept, and I said, are you just texting me things you would have tweeted? And he was like, actually, yeah. Guess so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not a bad, maybe I just create a big group chat of the people I care about and then I just send them my tweets. Like, it's like 25 It's like a people. newsletter. Yeah. It's like a newsletter, not a blog. A little update right? on like my thoughts. Uh, Josh Peck. Can't believe you pushed the button in Oppenheimer. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Uh, All right. Well, I don't really have any more shout outs. Uh, Marcus Allen uh, is going to not Marcus Allen, Marcus Adams uh, Jr. (laughs) Marcus Allen is not going to be going to Gonzaga. Marcus Adams Jr. transferring from Kansas to Gonzaga. That's something that we should point out for the people. Um, and Ledlow, uh, transferring from Tennessee to St. John's. I forgot to mention that with the Rick Pitino Assange, but Harvard, right? Ledlum, right? Ledlum. What did I say? Ledlow? Kristen yeah. Ledlow, uh, buddy, great, yeah. Sorry, it look, it's it's. A, I don't have anything in front of me right now, and <laughs> I'm thinking about Twitter dying. It's a lot going on. My tweets are dead. Uh, I got nothing left. Shout uh, out to two great car chases last week in LA. I mean, it was really? one after another. That was oh, uh, I didn't see it was that. it was exhilarating, and we watched it. There was a you know this is a time when there's really no sports in the bar in the yes. daytime, and the whole frolic room was like cheering at every turn. This guy stole three separate cars in the in the time of a six hour car chase. Super impressive stuff. Turns out, if you're, uh, you know, he he just drove into a gas station and you know jumped in somebody's car who was uh, who was uh, gassing up their car. So that seems like the most That's easy way to steal smart. a car when you got no time. But this guy did uh, had three uh, very Grand Theft Auto. We were all watching it like it was a championship game. It was uh, it was super exhilarating. The whole bar was screaming when I got there, and I was like, "What's going on?" And they were like, "Look!" So uh, shout out to a good car chase. I don't think anyone got uh, really hurt. Um, I think that that's, I think that's LA's like third favorite sport is <laughs> yes. car chasing. It's yes. like Dodgers, Lakers, car chases. That is like what people tune in for. One time I saw a car chase and the guy got into the train tunnels 
And literally the helicopter and everyone pulls out and they're like, we lost him. <laughs> and I was like, that guy, like he's like the DB Cooper of, uh, you know, I tend to artists. root for the, I tend to root for the runaways, even though I don't think I should. There's no, definitely a moral issue there, right. but it's just, just more of an impressive feat. It's like, you know, it's like you versus the world. The guy's got like five stars in GTA. Right. And then he like, you know, he goes under an underpass and he's like, fuck, he's gone. No, as a society, we're past, we've jumped the shark. We're past heroes. We're on to villains. I mean, the, the two biggest stars of the weekend, one of them was <laughs> Harley take. Quinn and one of them was the Scarecrow from Batman. And they're the two biggest movie stars in the world. That's because we like I always, villains. Uh, I always root for the animals whenever there's a crash and like, in like a, there's a truck that's like carrying the animals and they get loose and they're like running. I'm always like, go, go, yeah, get, like, let the horses freedom. go. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm just, I'm all about that. I don't know. Yeah, that, that thing about going in the tunnel and them just being like, where do you, it's kind of like uh, Assassin's Creed when you'd like jump in like the, the, the hay bale the curtain shack <laughs> right. and they'd be like, we lost him. Where'd he go? I don't, you know, it's like, I don't know. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But it is fun and it is good TV. And uh, like Kyle and I watch the local news. I mean, that, that's that's uh, we're 30 years old or you're not quite 30. You're getting there. Getting there. But you're watching local news, you know what I mean? And local news has the hit. So if you're not watching a local news program, go do that right now. Shout out to local, local news, especially in L.A. You get all the good stuff. Um, this has been One Shining Podcast. I love the off season. We get to talk about whatever we want. It's beautiful stuff. Hope everyone's having an enjoyable Monday. Great start to the week. And we will see you on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs>